Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this episode, I chat with M, who is in the first month of sobriety. But like most of us, this isn't her first attempt. So what makes it finally stick? Because M feels different this time around. She's doing the work, so to speak. Instead of finding her why for getting sober, she is working on identifying the reasons why she drank in the first place, which is a big part of changing the mindset around drinking. At 34 years old, M is ready to figure out who she really is. M, life is about to get so good. And I am excited to follow your journey. This is M Sober. Welcome, M, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and, and get to share my story. Yes, yes. I um, put a post out yesterday about people struggling and you were like the first one um, to message me. And I was excited, uh, when you did, because I think this is something people need to hear. It, it's inspiring to hear people who have gone through it. They're on the other side of it. They're confident. That's it. That is inspiring. Like it inspired me, it but I think it's also good to hear that there are people that are struggling and to hear them in the midst of it, because we kind of, I shouldn't say we forget, but you kind of do. It's like childbirth, you know, like you do, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, you knew it hurt, but like you have this beautiful thing now that kind of fogs that. And I, I think sobriety is a lot like that. Like you've birthed this new life with yourself and you, and you knew it was hard to get there, but you kind of sometimes forget. So it's kind of a good reminder, even for those of us who are where I'm at because we're all one drink away from going back to it. So that's right. That. And that's why I was so, that's why I was so exi- excited to jump in because um, from all the, the podcasts that I've listened to, yes, it is amazing people who have amazing milestones. And, um, and while that was something that I look forward to being one day, um, it was hard to relate because they weren't on the same page as me. So I'm looking forward yeah, to sharing my story and and hopefully someone else will be able to relate and, and stay strong as I intend to do as well. Yeah. Okay. So where do you want to start? Um, <laughs> I mean, right, I always ask people it. and I'll leave it up to you, but I always ask people like, what was it like growing up? Like where was alcohol in your life growing up? If you want to start there, we can start there if that if that works for you or... Yeah, let's start from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name's Em. I'm 34 years old. I was born to um, 15 and 16 year old parents. Mm-hmm. So you might say that I um, I grew up with some kids myself. Um, alcoholism has been a part of my my geniality, if that is even a word. I might have just made that up. Um, <laughs> so it was it was almost uh, it was almost inevitable that something. Would, uh, I would stumble upon something, whether it be gambling or drinking or drugs or something like that. I wish it was exercise and healthy eating. Um, and, <laughs> but um, it, it turns out it was alcohol this time. Um, but my story, um, 
my parents did shelter me from alcohol for as long as they could. They certainly weren't offering me drinks at 14, 15. I never tried to sneak it early on. But my first proper drink, um, I remember I was at one of my first high school parties. I was in year 11, um, which is the second last year of high school here in Australia. And um, I had two beers and um, I think maybe one and a half cups of what they called jungle juice. Now, this is a, a concoction of wine and vodka and juice and whatever, probably some petrol, I'm not, or gas, whatever, <laughs> whatever they yeah. could find. Um, and that was my first experience. And I was very ill, very, very ill. I missed the whole party. I was put to bed. I was vomiting. Um, and it was awful. I missed out on the party and everyone else continued on. Now, that was 16. And so for the next 10 years, I would only drink maybe fortnightly, monthly, but it would be the same. I would binge and then I'd be violently ill. I would sleep next to the toilet and I would be no good for a couple of days. Um, so I guess from 16 to 26, you would have called me a, a binge drinker every now and again. Um, it wasn't until I left a very unhappy, lonely marriage um, that I started to drink a little bit more. Um, I was happy to leave that marriage. It wasn't serving me and it wasn't serving my children. Um, I was completely isolated, alone. Um, I didn't know who I was. I still don't now, unfortunately, but I'm working on that. Mm -hmm. um, and I met my current husband who, who, I guess, sort of, he took me out of that situation and introduced me to the world of fine wining and dining. Um, and I was like, wow, we're out on a Thursday night on a date. There's people out? People go out to dinner on a Thursday? There's like 300 people in this pub. Like I don't under I had heart palpitations because I'd been cooped up in my house for so long I didn't understand. So um, he treated me to a lot of dates. Um, we moved in together very quickly and, you know, wine and was our thing. Um, he is a, a child of parents who ran pubs for um, many, many, many years. So um, he, he's been around alcohol a lot himself. So that was just a part of this is a part of life. Um, so I started to drink that little bit more. We'll call this from about 26, 27. So how old am I now? For? So about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, and then the drinking started just to get that little bit more, and that little bit more, and that little bit more. And then COVID came. And um, my stepson joined our family full time, uh, mm. which had never happened before. He was living with his mother previously, but she was no longer capable. So um, add an extra child into the mix, working full time, COVID, lockdown, and my drinking turned into maybe five out of seven days, which is still bad, to seven out of seven. And it turned into a Oh, is 10 a.m. a suitable time to start drinking? Oh, bugger it, why not? And um, so it got progressively worse and worse. So then um, it was about two years ago, almost to the day, where I thought to myself, you know, I'm having trouble stopping. Like I wake up in the morning and I go, I need a break. I need a break. This isn't, I don't feel good. I'm not sleeping well. I'm starting to put on weight. Mm -hmm. um, I want to try and stop. Actually, no, I, I regress. I, um, 
I had I lost 150 kilos with the gastric sleeve surgery oh. and I so I had really bad reflux and the weight gain that I was getting from the wine was starting to freak me out so I thought I'm going to go to the GP my doctor and I want to ask to be re-sleeved or maybe I could be um, get a bypass instead because I don't want this weight to keep creeping on and I went to this new GP he'd never met me before and um, I said look I want to be re-sleeved. I'm putting on weight. My reflux is awful. It's it's shocking. Like, please help. Um, and he said, okay, well, let's go through the, the list of what we talk about. So do you smoke? I said, no, because I don't. He said, do you drink? And for the older people out there listening, I had a what we call a sliding doors moment, that movie with, uh, I believe it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, so my I sat, I sat there and I said, now, do I, do I lie or do I tell the truth? And I don't know why, but I, I told the tr- I, to- I chose to tell the truth that day. And he said, "Em, well, there's there's your problem. You stop drinking, your reflux will probably go away. You'll definitely lose weight. Your sleep will improve. Please come back to me in a couple of weeks' time, and we'll have we'll have a chat." So that was my first attempt at sobriety, and I I walked away and I said, "Right, yeah, I'll look off. I'm being lazy. Let's let's do this. Let's let's give it a shot." Six weeks had passed. I had two sober days, two, and I and that was me trying. So I went back and I said, um, "Yeah, so I've had two sober days. I don't think I can do this on my own. I think I need some extra support." Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I thought um, I thought maybe something like naltrexone was something that I needed. And we discussed the options, and he said, "I think Emma, for you." I think um, a Camprosate or Camprel would be the best medication for you to try because this what one is that? Um, works. So this one, it works with the, the pathways in your brain. So um, it helps with your cravings, whereas naltrexone turns off the pleasure um, that you get when you drink. So you're actually, in, when you're, off, I don't know if I am wrong, I, I do I do apologise, but with naltrexone, I believe they um, actually encourage you to, to keep drinking that little bit so that your brain learns, oh, I'm not getting any pleasure from okay. this alcohol. I don't want it. Whereas a camprosate is telling, is it's helping me actually go, no, I don't want that. Like, I don't even want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got my first script for that. And I started in March 21st, 2021, just after my wedding. Um, and I remember the day before I went out to lunch with my girlfriend and we came home, kept drinking. It was like a send-off um, and I've still got video on my phone being an absolute numpty, dancing around the lounge room with my children, having a doing a conga line. Embarrassing as all hell. It was, was just, it was all, it was just funny but trashy, you know, like you look back and go, oh, that's, yeah. that's silly. Um, and I lasted 160 days. And... But during that time, I felt I hadn't discovered the Instagram community yet. I felt, I honestly felt miserable. I felt lonely. I was doing it by myself and my husband did continue to drink around me, although he did cut back. It was still hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something I wasn't going to talk about, but I think I will because it might help someone else um, in the meantime. But around the 98-day mark, I actually found out that I was pregnant. So I thought, ah, oh, this is going to be so easy. You don't drink when you're pregnant. What psycho right. would do that? Absolutely not. I would never do that. 
and my doctor said, you need to come off the medication when you're pregnant. So I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. It's fine. I'm pregnant. I'm not going to treat. Mm-hmm. So I um, came off it and almost instantly I was like, oh, I love a glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. But I didn't. So the first three months of my pregnancy, absolutely nothing. So that's up to 160 days. That was my first trimester where a lot of the, and that's certainly not an excuse, but um, where all the important development happens. Then I had my gender reveal. And a lot of the, let's say the older crowd were saying, oh, you can have a glass, Emma. You can have a glass. It's just one. It's, it'll be fine. What do you think the women in Italy do? What do you think the ladies in France do? Of course they still drink when they're pregnant. They have a glass of red wine with that dinner. You're fine. You can have one. Someone had low alcohol champagne and I thought, oh, yeah, I guess you're right, not knowing in myself that I, you know, have a, that I'm an alcoholic and I couldn't right. stop. So, so I had that one glass. But it, it, it straight away turned that alcoholic brain back on and I just wanted it bad so I was cranky the whole time. So mm. for the rest of the six months it was, it was torture and um, there would be a glass here and there. But mm-hmm. I am disgusted in myself about that. Mm. I am so grateful that my beautiful baby is, is absolutely fine. He shows mm-hmm. no signs of um, any fetal alcohol syndrome, but even just one glass is so dangerous and why? And I would never think anyone should tempt it. It is not worth it. Um, so I, that was something that I wasn't going to share and I hope um, there is no judgment, but it, oh, it is none reality. At none at all, it, I'm sure there are going to be tons of women that resonate with that. I mean, pregnancy is so hard as it is like our Mm -hmm. bodies are not ours. We're just, yeah, the emotions, everything else. And then, yeah, for you to already have come off that medicine, which I don't know much about that medicine, but was that even the right way to come off of it? Do they normally wean you off? But because you were pregnant, they just took you off or... Um, it, it is one that is you can just stop, um, okay. but they, it, it is one that you're supposed to be on long term, you know, a yeah. good year at least. So, so you weren't ready. No, I was not ready no. to come off the medication, but I had to because they didn't. It was a class C drug, I think. So they just don't know if it's safe mm-hmm. for the fetus, and it's not something that they're going to go and test because that would, um, well, yeah, you know, quite immoral. Um, so. Then I, I knew that I had issues with breastfeeding from my older children, so I knew that I wasn't going to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. So my son was born at 11 p.m. at night and I was home by 11 a.m. the next morning and we had popped those corkscrews to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And that started a whole nother, I think, three months of daily drinking, not to, um, not to like, excess, like, blackout or... Um, you know, at a point where I couldn't look after myself or my children, but it was still daily drinking, um, which was no good. So then I woke up, I think it was in the middle of the night in June or July, the year just gone, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. So I went back to my GP. I got my script again. He helped me with the withdrawals, which I was lucky enough to not really... um, suffer too severely from at all it was more like a battle of the mind mm-hmm. um so so that was lucky in that I was lucky in that regard 
Um, and that's when I that's when I found the Instagram community, and I thought that was just brilliant. I'm like, great, I've got the, I've got a, a whole world of people that are the same as me going through the same thing. And I lasted another fifty days, and then I made the silly assumption that I could moderate, <laughs> which um, anyone who is a seasoned sober person will will have a little giggle because um, there is no such thing as just one that I've learned about myself. So yeah, I, but um, M, we all have to learn it on our own. I mean, that, well, that's it. That's it is. I, it, it's someone. just this. It's just this thing. It's like we really think that we can moderate, and we don't know until. I mean, it's like one of those things. You really don't know until you try. I mean, you can't fault anyone it. for trying. I mean, and it was a, it was a lesson um, because it, it threw me back into another two months of of even worse heavy drinking to the point where I would start shaking if I wasn't drinking. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a large frame person, so I don't need a lot to to be intoxicated and um, after everything I've learned from listening to podcasts, I I remember sitting here in this exact chair and I would have my glass of wine and I'd have a couple of sips and I felt the physiological effects go from the top of my head down to my toes. I felt that wave of dopamine. I felt what happens those chemicals when you drink that and that's what we're chasing that's what we were chasing and I'm like whoa that's insane that I just felt that and that I can acknowledge that and, and now I'm learning there are there are much better ways that I, I can still get that just mm-hmm. not from alcohol mm-hmm. um so yes most recently um I'd started blacking out a lot more at night time um so I would wake up and people um People or even my husband would say, oh, do you remember we've got that thing on today or remember can you pick up the kids today? And I'd go, what? And I would, I would just have genuinely have no memory. So that was um, terrible. So then again, 18 days ago, I went back to my GP and I said, right, this is it, but something has changed. I feel like something has changed this time. Um, and what has changed is the fact that I've realised my whole life I have been numbing um, from being born to children and having to grow up so fast, moving out of home at 15, having to, uh, I, I became a mother myself at 20 years old. So I've been, I've gone from being a child to to, to parenting myself, to, be, to being a parent. I don't know, I didn't know who I am and I've just been numbing this whole time it turns out. So what I want is to know who the hell am I and what do I want from this life? Is my current situation that is serving me well? So that's why this is why I feel so different this time because I can't do that with, with foggy alcoholic glasses on. I need a clear head. I need to feel good in order to make the next step and the next just keep going in the right direction. And that's that's pretty much my story. That is exactly where I was when it finally stuck. Like. 100%. It was, and it's crazy that you talk about drinking the wine and just slowly feeling that rush that we chase. I went through that as well. When I decided to get sober, I had a wine advent calendar because my sober date is the 26th of December. And so I had a wide wine advent calendar that my dad had gotten me. And I already knew that I was going to like quit drinking first of the year, but I, 
I didn't want to not honor his gift. I didn't want to be rude. I was a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, you Me know, too. it's just, yeah, it's just these little bottles of wine. They weren't very, very, I mean, it was definitely not what I would consider a glass of wine, <laughs> <laughs> but I would just have the one. Cause I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if I can just have one, like here's a perfect opportunity to test it. And it goes back to the moderation and I would have the one and I wanted more. I didn't let myself have more, but I wanted more because I noticed I only felt that little rush for a short amount of time. And then that was followed by this like irritable feeling, right? This feeling of like, Mm -hmm. I want to feel that again, you know? So it was really in a way, a good thing that my dad got me that because I think it helped me solidify that I was drinking for the wrong reasons. I will never be able to just enjoy a glass of wine because I like to just sip on it. Like I needed it to do something Mm -hmm. for me. And it sounds like that's what you're discovering too, that there's a lot of things that you have just pushed away with the alcohol that you just didn't want to deal with. Definitely. I would drink to, to cope, um, to numb, to relax because I had a good day because I had a bad day because the day ended in Y, um, the letter Y and um, <laughs> any excuse. And, and my husband, he is, is much of the same and he's, I won't speak on behalf of him, but he, he will have some work to do on himself. But we would just, we just have to look at each other with the side eye and go, feel like a bit of vino. And, you know, that wobbly arm, someone would be in the car driving down to the bottle shop and that would happen almost every day. So um, I have to, I'm leading by example, I'd like to think, at the moment um, mm-hmm. and going to keep keep on going, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's really the best thing you can do. My My husband still drinks, but I will tell you in this last year, it is significantly less significantly less. Um, at the beginning, I, I'm kind of a control freak. And at the beginning I was always like, I don't want you to drink that. You know, I was being that person and I was more worried about him than me because I was so set, like where you're at now. Like I knew I, this was it, like I'm done, but I wanted him to be done. Like I, I wanted us to do this together, but it doesn't always work that way. And I had to remind myself, no one was ever going to make me do it when I wasn't ready. And yeah, you have to just show them the way, like show them how great life can be, how much happier you are. And just, yeah, like you said, be an example of, of that. That's exactly right. And this time, uh, what I failed to do previous times, and that's why every time I've come back, I've learned something major this time. I set a strong boundary and that's something I hadn't done before this time. It was actually came from the advice of my doctor. He said, Emma, you need to go home and tell him no alcohol in the house and don't drink in front of me. And I was like, Whoa, I don't know how that's going to go down. You've met my husband like, uh, <laughs> and you've heard what I've told you about him. So um, we'll see how that goes. But he has, he has honored that I'm going to say 99% of the time, um, which is a, is a great deal better than what it has been in the past so um 
the minute that that strong boundary is broken, we'll be having some some words because it's important to me that I stay sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't been afraid to say no to going to certain events um, because I know that I'm not if I'm not in a good headspace that day, I don't want to put myself in an uncomfortable situation. Um, but there have been other times where he's encouraged me to and then I'm, I've, I've, I've been and I felt uncomfortable but I've beaten, like I've, I've met the challenge. I've come home sober and I've gone, I can do this. And, and he was right, I can't hide away forever but I also need the balance. Mm-hmm. I can't be pushed into these all uncomfortable situations all the time but I do need to do it sometimes in order mm-hmm. to beat those challenges mm-hmm. and get stronger from them. Yeah, and you do. Like every single time you get through an event sober and go through the process of waking up the next day and remembering everything and feeling good, mm-hmm. it just like adds, it's like a muscle, right? Like, it's just like, you're doing a workout, right? <laughs> like it just adds to it. And then the next time you just feel even more confident and it is a matter of just building that up. What are some things that you're doing this time? You said you set a boundary. Are there any other things that you're doing, um, like doing the work type stuff uh, to keep yourself on the straight and narrow this time? Are there some tools that you are like falling towards or? Yep. This time I've, um, I'm now seeing a psychologist um, mm-hmm. to try and see if, because um, something that we all talk about in the community is what are your whys? Why do you want to be sober? And yeah. something I hadn't seen much of is why was I drinking? So right. that was something I wanted to reverse and I wanted to know, why am I drinking? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I need to address this. And um, so I'm seeing the psychologist. I've only been once so far because I'm 18 days, um, but I'm going again this week. And um, I really hope that we'll be able to work together and figure that out. So so the medication, um, the psychologist, um, Instagram community, of course, educating myself, um, um, and I know that um, AA could be a controversial topic in the community. Some people are really for it. Some people are really mm-hmm. against it. But I'm not against trying everything. Um, and I'm also someone that needs to be, um, like, technology is great and all, but it, it's some, it was, I've started going to meetings because it's some, I like to be in a room full of other people that are local yeah. that get it, that understand. Um, and the being in Australia, we're a very multicultural society, um, and I, I, when I look around the room, I see people of all ages, people from all cultures, and I think, oh wow, like we all have this thing in common, and we're all here to support each other and stay accountable, and I think it's great. Um, but also in Australia, like religion is not a massive, I guess against Australians, it's not a massive thing. But in all the meetings, they talk about yes, yes they say the word God and higher power but it doesn't necessarily mean you know that that the man with the beard sitting in the clouds it can be whatever it needs to be for you mm-hmm. so for me it, it, it's spirituality it's angels it's the universe it's it's something that's something else so that if, if anyone has ever dismissed AA because they're not religious it, it's not it's not at all or it can be for you if you want it to be mm-hmm. um, but it's not so that's something I'm trying um and I'm very new to it, so I'm not sure um, if it's something I'll stick with. I'd like to say it, I might, but um, it's something I'm trying. Yeah. Because I don't think you should um, not try something 
Well, especially if you're someone who needs actual like warm bodies in a room with you. I'm yeah. That's why I couldn't do it. So like that's the only reason I don't have anything against AA because I've never been. I have no reason, you know, to say anything because I don't know enough about it. But all I know is the being in a room with people part was not going to work for me because I'm just a little too introverted. I need to drink to be in that type of an environment. So I'm like, this would, for me, would just have, you know, not helped me at all. I would have felt like I needed to drink to just to go. So I just knew. So that's why I am so grateful for the Instagram community because it keeps me still like finding people to relate to, but um, not having to like stand up in front of people and like talk. <laughs> Oh yeah, and that's definitely optional. You never actually have to. You can just go yeah. and listen. You could sit at the back, and if they invite you up, you just go. No, no, just listening today. You yeah. could say that for twenty years if you wanted to. Wow. Um, so there's definitely no pressure at all. Not not at the ones that I've been to. So I can't yeah. speak for all of them. But, uh, and I know they have online meetings too. Um, I did a podcast yeah. with Kayla, a friend of mine that I met really early on on. Instagram and she told me that they do, which I'm like, of course they do. Like, why wouldn't they? I mean, it's 2022, 2023, like we do that stuff now, (laughs) but I mean, I just, I, it's just nothing I would have even thought about looking into to see if I could just, cause she said she used to just go on anonymously cause they're 24 hours a day. Um, cause they're all, there's meetings all over Mm -hmm. the world, I guess, um, online. And she said that when she would really struggle, she would just go on, anonymously and just listen to people talk as she laid in bed and just was trying to get through a craving. So, I mean, there's so many tools and that's, what's so great because you can find what works for you that you'll always find something that works for you because there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, and I, and I love the spirituality part because I think that's a big, big thing. And I know AA talks about that and yeah, not from a religious standpoint, but it's like you, it's good to believe in something bigger than yourself and to believe that you are for me, at least I love knowing that I'm, I'm cause I'm spiritual and I believe I have my guides and I just really lean mm-hmm. on that and just know that I am being guided. Things are unfolding for me things like that. Like if something bad happens, I know that it's supposed to be that way. There's going to be a new opportunity because of it. I don't know. It's just, that has really helped me in my sobriety. Is that how you view spirituality as well? What's your spirituality like? Well, the viewers can't see, but I um, have a sleeve tattoo of um, mm-hmm. planets and comets and stars. Um, so it's like a galaxy themed thing. So like, I'm just so overwhelmed that we are just a tiny speck of dust in a big, vast space of nothingness, and yet we're we're fighting over oil, and we're you know upset that we can't choose the right outfit or nail color. Um, it just seems so not important at the end of the day. But I just feel like there surely is something. There's something else out there. Mm-hmm. There's something else controlling this. Why am I here? Um, yeah. So I guess that's sort of how I look at it, and what. Um, uh, and karma as well, you know, what you what you put out. Mm-hmm. You'll get back to always try and be a good person. Um, definitely guides as well. Um, recently had a, had a um, I wouldn't call it a poltergeist, but I definitely had a visit from a spiritual oh. being. It sat on the bed. Um, 
and because I felt my bed divot uh-huh. and then it walked off the bed and I'm like whoa there is no one else in this room and I'm awake this isn't a dream so that was a bit spooky that's um, wild so I've uh, yeah saged that room <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure I would have too wow yeah I don't think I've never had that kind of an experience um but yeah, I, I I really lean heavily on the, yeah, the spiritual, the universe, like you said, I, there's times where if I'm feeling overwhelmed or, you know, just out of sorts, I will remind myself like, this really doesn't matter. We're just like on the, like you said, we're just on this little speck in this grand mass of things. And it's like, does it really matter? You know, when you just, even if you can take a minute and just look at the sky and just, okay, like no problems that big you know what I mean like it's just yeah I don't know it's more like you and what's what is the universe trying to teach me today right. like what I'm going through this difficult time but what am I going to learn from it mm-hmm. um and it's always a positive so something else that I've been using is um is mindset books and I know that you've had um sober James on your podcast yes. before yeah he's yeah. amazing and he's awesome he's directed me <laughs> he's directed me to the Aunt Middleton books and um, I am almost through all of them, but they've been a great tool in my toolkit to to go back to and just go, you know, every difficult moment passes and, you know, there's no point in worrying about something that you're not even in yet. I think he called it the fear bubble and that's the title of one of his books. Right. So you might have something like you might be new to sobriety and, you know, you, you have to go to this party, it's, you know, it's your, it's your mother's. 60th you have to go everyone's going to be drinking there's no point in sitting there getting upset worried about it for the days leading up to it um so the fear bubble is maybe when you're in it so don't worry about it till you're in it when you're in it you deal with it and then you get out of it and it's done Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so Aunt Aunt middleton is, is highly recommended from me as well to to read to learn about positive mindset because you can you can overcome anything with a positive mindset and i think it's huge for sobriety because that's a lot of like you were just saying a lot of what is going on with you with your cravings and stuff has always been in your mind I know for me I I didn't have alcohol withdrawal when I quit drinking it was all habit and using it as a drug to numb uncomfortable feelings and to try to heighten the good feelings and it didn't do anything but keep me at some weird baseline at all times you know like it just that's right it's it's really the substance that's the issue um once you remove the substance and it's gone from your system um it is it is purely mental um Mm -hmm. and if there's things that you've not dealt with then you got you've got to get on it and and deal with it and find or even find out what it is you might not even know half the time my husband will look at me and go what's wrong and I'll know I'm off. I'll know I'm not myself. And I will sit there and go, I don't know yet. Give me a minute, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll sit mm-hmm. there and I'll think about it. And I'll be like, you know what? I was actually really annoyed at this thing that happened. Uh, and we'll talk through it. And then I'll be like, yeah, I'm all right now. Yeah. So it can be hard to identify sometimes. I, but- it is hard. And, you know, you saying that just reminded me when I was early in sobriety, I would have days where I would just have a strong emotion, let's say sad. I'd feel so sad all of a sudden. 
And I'm like, why do I feel so sad? And I couldn't figure it out. And I think it was because I really, truly believe that if we don't ever process our emotions, which is what I did with alcohol, is I refused to feel anything bad. I would just drink until the feeling would go away, but it didn't go away, right? I just pushed it down into my body. And what I feel is when these emotions would come up for me, they were an old emotion, like old, like it could have been from my teenage years. Cause I started drinking at 14 and of course I can't identify it. It was too long ago. I think it was just still stuck. So mm-hmm. in day, when I would have a day like that, when I would just feel so sad and I'm like, nothing happened though. Why am I sad? Like I would go into my room quietly put on a meditation and nine times out of 10, I would just lay there and just cry like ugly cry. Don't even know why I'm doing it, but I, it felt so good to just finally release that. And so I did a lot of that probably. I mean, I still, I don't, I haven't had those strong of feelings lately, but I would say the good first six months was just, I think old shit that I just packed. And then, yeah, therapy is just, I think everyone should go, even if you're not sober, but therapy is the best because the wait list is too long. (laughs) Yeah, I know, (laughs) but it's the best because it also helps you learn how to process things correctly, especially when you've never learned how to do it. I never learned how to do it. Hmm. To add another layer to my story, um, when I was actually, that's funny, at around the age of 27, which is when the drinking really started to kick off, I learned that I have something called borderline personality disorder or emotional um, regulation disorder, something like something along those lines. Um, so that, and that, that came from my childhood where um, babies and kids were learning their ABCs, one, two, threes. Um, I was, I, I wasn't in a, in a safe space is what I've been taught. Like I felt like my amygdala was in fight or flight mode all, all the time. Like I constantly feel in a state of stress and, and tense for no particular reason at all. Um, so what what it means is I have trouble regulating my emotions. So when a normal, it's like normal with these quotation marks, yeah. when a normal person feels sad about something, um, I would be distraught. Um, and when someone's happy about something, I might be manic, um, like super happy, like bouncing off the walls. Um, and it's not like, and they weren't ever appropriate responses to the situation. But my worst one was always um, anger. And I always come across as someone who's really angry. Um, and I don't know why I come across angry, but I'm actually sad or I'm disappointed. Mm. But um, because of this, it, it comes across as like rage or anger. So that's something... Um, again that I can work with the therapist with Um, but it's also it was exacerbated by alcohol like a lot of issues in my marriage have been have always alcohol has always been a problem with it a big fight has started because of alcohol the police have been called because of alcohol um you know slamming doors alcohol screaming alcohol we've never had a, a an argument like that sober that's for sure Right. Very excited yeah. to to be here and share and um 
I, I don't have anything to hide and I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I mean, what's happened has happened and I'm making all the, the right moves right now to be better, to be a better version of myself and just little by little every single day um, and I'll get to where I, I want to be. But for now, so it's not so overwhelming. It is. It, it really is one day at a time. It is. You build this amazing life one day at a time, like brick by brick by brick. And yeah, every time you get through a craving or a social situation, like you were talking about, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And I had, and I want to say it to you, um, cause I had someone tell me that was like 25 years sober. She actually, uh, I used, she was my boss, um, at one time and I had talked to her since I had quit working there and, um, I told her that I was sober, that I was working on sobriety. I was like three months in and I'll never forget it. Cause she was like, your life is about to get so good. And like, I get emotional just saying that because it's so true. Like it gets so good, like beyond your wildest dreams. Good. And her saying that I was at, I hadn't joined sober Instagram at that point. I needed to hear that that day because mm. I was struggling. I needed someone to, and it was weird. Cause she called me. It's like a whole story, but like she called me out of the blue. It was one of those like spiritual universe. Everything was aligned type moments. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't too long after that, that I um, got on sober Instagram because her telling me that I was like, I need, I need, it made me realize I need people. Like I need people mm -hmm. that are also sober because right now I don't have anybody. And if I'm going to keep going, I need that. And then, yeah, I was 99 days sober and hopped on Instagram and the rest is history. Now I do a podcast. I mean, come on. Like I, yeah. it's crazy. I just posted something the other night. I saw it and I was like, yep, this is it. And it said, you will accomplish more in one year of sobriety than you ever did 10 years drinking. And I 100% believe that like it opens your mind. Like you don't even realize how fogged your mind has become from the alcohol. Like just, you will find mm -hmm. yourself M you're going to find that person and between the therapy and like clearing your head. And it, I, I just can't even wait to see what, is in store for you like it's gonna be incredible i am very very excited and that that would be my one tip to anyone else who's thinking of starting or um or is in their early days is is yeah you you can't do it alone you need you if, if it's people online that's fine if it's in a group that's fine if it's your family and friends and they're willing to support you and, and abstain while they're around you, you can't do it alone i tried doing that and it worked for a little while, but in my personal opinion, I think, I think you need that community for sure. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. 
Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at thisisstephsober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.